So at this time, I want to invite John Haddock, who is a very active elder here at Lake City and also a veteran himself, to come and introduce this morning's speaker. Thank you very much, Pastor Jim. I have the honor this Veterans Weekend of introducing the man who will be bringing our message today. He was inspired to military service by the example of a veteran. That was his grandfather who served in World War II. So Mark enlisted in the Army, spent two years in that status, and decided to go to officer candidate school at Fort Benning. And on graduating from that, he was ready for more, so he went to the Ranger School, graduated from that, Airborne, and Pathfinder School. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was followed by uh, two years in uh, Germany as an infantry platoon leader with the 3rd third, third Division. And God called him to a slightly different aspect of our country's needs. And after seminary, uh, Mark became a chaplain in the United States Army, a position he has served for 25 years now. <clears throat> During that time, he's deployed twice to Iraq with the 5th Special Forces Group, once to Afghanistan as the chaplain of the headquarters over the NATO forces there, and an easy one in Kuwait, <laughs> not, not, where the, not where most of the time they're shooting anyway. Mark is currently serving as the uh, Joint Base Lewis McCord Senior Chaplain, and he is the Senior Pastor for the Main Post Chapel Protestant Congregation. But the greatest commendation I have is that Mark is a brother in Christ, and he knows and teaches God's Word with wisdom and with power. So join me in welcoming Pastor Mark Gothier. Well, good morning. It is really a joy and an honor to be with you this morning. I'd like to also just uh, express my appreciation to veterans, but perhaps more importantly, if you are the, the spouse of a veteran or if you're a veteran's kid, to express my appreciation for your sacrifice. You don't have a vote. And the service member gets to put on his cape and defend truth, justice, in the American way. And the family's got to keep all of the things rolling and going. And in many ways, your sacrifices are greater. So thank you for your service to help protect our country as household six, as we say in the Army and the kids' staff. If you're a, a fan of LC3 church history, I actually preached at the Veterans Day service 21 years ago. Anybody remember the message? <laughs> That's all right. I don't either. I have no idea. And maybe there's a message that it took 21 years to be invited back of the quality of what that message was as well. <laughs> what, what I'd like to talk with you about is this idea, as you see up on the screen, your life on vector for Jesus. Now, if you're not familiar with what a vector is, a vector really is a certain direction, a certain heading at a certain speed. And the fact that each and every one of us are on a vector. Think about it this way. If you wanted to fly to Denver, Colorado, you would drive to SeaTac Airport once you've made the reservations for that flight, and you're trusting the pilot to head at a certain heading in a certain direction to 
get you at a certain time to Denver International Airport. So think about this image of your life as an airplane. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are up in the front of the cockpit. And the art of life is, is to allow them to take you on the vector that they want you to go and where they want you to be. Imagine how crazy it would be if you got on the plane at SeaTac and you said, everybody out of the cockpit, I got this. I doubt that you would get to Denver with the same speed or effectiveness or efficiency. Some of you may not get off the runway if you were to do that. And I'd like to look at the life of a man by the name of Philip, an amazing character from the New Testament. And look at Philip as an example for each and every one of us. Sometimes it's easy to develop what I call a Christian inferiority complex. How in the world could Lord use me? I'm not fill in the blank. Smart enough, gifted enough. I'm too young, I'm too old, I don't have the right gifts. And I want by looking at the example of Philip to remove that blank and to know that if your life is on vector for Jesus, you can be used of God. One of my favorite movie lines comes from the movie, The Blues Brothers. And so the main characters are Jake and Elwood, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, and one just comes out of prison, and they realize their childhood orphanage is about to go under because of tax debt. So they form the band up together, and there's a line in the movie that goes over and over and over, and you may know what that line is already. But they would say, we're on a mission from God. So brothers and sisters, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that you are on a mission from God. So let's look at the scripture and see what we can learn from the example of Philip. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they suddenly came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, 
And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeal, appeared at Azotus as he traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. God's word. So what I'd like for you to realize as you look at the example of Philip that God has your life on a God-ordained vector. There is no one excluded from that who is a follower of Jesus Christ. And as you think about that truth, realize that where you are right now is your God-ordained vector. Now think of the amazing complexity and the synchronization from God's perspective of this story. You have this man who was essentially the minister of finance or the secretary of treasury for the queen of Ethiopia. And I can imagine looking through the job descriptions and all of those things that he was committed to what he was doing. He had gone to Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice probably during Passover. So it's likely he was a God-fearer. There was a yearning, there was a seeking, and there was a searching that was going on in his heart. And then God calls Philip out of a very unique context and a unique environment. And just to give you a little background of where this passage is at. The church is starting to prosper and thrive and the first martyr is killed, Stephen, for his faith, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, and as a result of Saul, who is soon to become Paul, the disciples are scattered and as they are scattered, they are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the places in which they are going. So Philip goes to Samaria, a place that a good Jewish person would look at with scorn, People who were spiritually compromised in their eyes, half-breeds. But he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and a revival breaks out. People respond to the message. There are signs and wonders and healings. And just imagine if you were Philip, or if you were part of Philip's crew to be in a place like that. What an, an amazing experience that that is. When I was the chaplain for the 5th Special Forces Group, I was assigned to it just prior to the start of Operation Iraqi Freedom, and we deployed in a country adjacent to Iraq, not far from its border, and basically rolled into a group of about 50 Marines that were doing ground surveillance radar. And the Lord gave a picture in my mind for that season of ministry of planting a church in the desert. And as we got there, lo and behold, God sent a God-breathed revival to that place. People were coming to faith in Christ. I baptized five Green Berets. One day, half of an infantry squad came to faith in Jesus Christ, just one after the other. We were holding Bible studies and worship services seven nights a week, and sometimes all kinds of people coming. An amazing, amazing experience. Now imagine if I, being in that environment, all of a sudden the angel of the Lord says, Gothier. Cross the berm and just take a walk down that desert road. I could imagine the grumbling in my heart. Lord, you don't know what you're doing. Bad theological statement, by the way. <laughs> Here I am in this amazing ministry, and you tell me just to go take a hike on a desert road. You don't give me the, the, the five W's of what I'm supposed to do. But Philip, in this amazing obedience, in this great ministry, and off he moves out. You see, God's vector stretches our faith. 
that you may be in a circumstance or a situation where you wonder, what in the world is this all about? I'm not gifted enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't have what it takes to be on the vector that I am right now. But you see, where God leads, he feeds. And where he guides, he provides. And he's never going to put you someplace and say, sorry, sucker, you're on your own now. God has the ultimate follow-through to provide for you in those times and places. When I was in the chaplain advance course, the assignments officer came down to announce our assignments. And they do it much more personally now. You have a one-on-one meeting with your assignment officer. But for whatever reason, this guy did it like it was a game show. And he's standing up here like I am, looking at all of the students. And it was Johnson, Fort Hood, Smith, Fort Bragg. And it was just a kind of a drum roll of all of these things. But before he did that, he had every staff group prepare a theology of assignments. And I thought that was pretty clever because how could we complain afterwards? You just gave me your theology. But the last slide our staff group put up somewhat jokingly was Genesis 50-20. You intended for evil, but God meant it for good. (laughs) Fortunately, he was not passive-aggressive and changed all of our assignments to Johnson Atoll or someplace like that. You see, God's vector will stretch our faith, but if you know without a shadow of a doubt, and that's really the beauty about being a follower of Jesus in the military, you get that eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper called your orders, Guess what? The Lord has just spoken to you through the Department of the Army that that is your vector. No doubting. Ever doubt? Just pull out the paper and read it again, and it'll be a great reminder. But know that God's vector requires sacrifice as well. You want to live an inconvenient life? Just be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe the most dangerous prayer that you could ever offer is, God, just use me and be prepared to be interrupted. I'm a very structured person. I love my Outlook calendar and to be able to see all the things I've got plugged and plotted in my calendar for maximum effectiveness for my day. But lo and behold, there are those days, usually every day, when you realize your calendar is not going to synchronize with what reality is. And my temptation is to get frustrated because of the interruption to my great plan. But someone once said to me, do you know about the ministry of interruptions? You see, to be available, to be willing, and to be open to whomever comes in your sphere of reference and to see them as an opportunity to serve them out of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. So realize also that your vector is God's means to touch people's lives. You know, God could do all kinds of amazing things to accomplish his plan. Talk about downgrading and choosing you and me to be a part of that. But faith the Lord has that he would invite us to participate in his plans and his purposes. Now, this Ethiopian, if you imagine the amazing components of all that's going on in the story, he has worshipped in Jerusalem. And if you do a a drive from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, to Jerusalem, that's about 2,600 miles. And my estimation of the average speed of a chariot is 10 miles an hour. If you have a different opinion, talk to me afterwards. I've never clocked one, but I'm just guessing. If you figure an eight-hour travel day, that would take 32.5 days to go one way to get to Jerusalem, and then another 32.5 back to Ethiopia. 
Do you imagine asking your boss for two days off to go to church? Or excuse me, two months off to go to church. You may not have a job when you got back from that request. And so here is this man. He's riding in his chariot. And he has a scroll from the book of Isaiah. And it's, it's hard to appreciate what that means because we all have Bibles. We all have apps on our phones. But to have an actual scroll in that day of a copy of the scriptures was a precious and a rare thing. And there he is reading out loud, having his quiet time, Isaiah chapter 53. And if you look at Isaiah 53, there is no clearer place in the Old Testament to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone who is seeking and someone who is searching. Somebody once joked a commentator that if Philip wouldn't have ran, he would have been in Isaiah 54, and he would have had a harder job to explain to him the gospel of Christ. But Philip's amazing obedience in that way. And to know that we should never forget the value of one soul. Be prepared to be inconvenienced for the impact of one soul that God has you on a vector to intersect with and to come in place. When I was here previously, I was serving as the chaplain for the Second Ranger Battalion, and what an exciting ride that was. Pastors sometimes describe their congregations and what they're all about, and I would say, well, my congregation, they're a bunch of young, bloodthirsty, testosterone-filled heathen killers, and I tell you what, I've got some amazing job security in my current assignment. And the first six months was such a hard, demanding time. You felt like an outsider to the organization. You're living and sleeping in weather much like today with the rain and the cold. And I was doing a pretty good job feeling sorry for myself. In front and behind, maybe we're the only rangers who knew the chaplain was out there. And I felt like I was plowing on an asphalt parking lot with a lot of vibrations and sparks and not breaking a lot of ground. And actually... Uh, Tim Edgren's dad, Jim Edgren, was my endorser. He brought me into the chaplaincy. So if this sermon is not to your liking, please put your complaints to Tim. He'll pass them on to his dad. But Tim's dad is a straight shooter, and sometimes with both barrels when you say, what do you think? And as I kind of snivelingly shared my hardships, he looked at me and said, Mark, if God puts you in this assignment to touch one life, would it be worth it? And I'll confess to you, I was not of a spiritual level that I immediately wanted to say yes. I wanted more than that. But when I reflected upon the implication of what Jim was asking, if God would graciously use me to help the trajectory of a person from hell to heaven, to help someone who was lost to become found, would it be worth the sacrifice? And when you think about it from that perspective, the answer is absolutely overwhelmingly yes. The Ethiopian is such a wonderful picture of God's grace to those whose hearts are diligently seeking after God. And it wasn't very uh, rocket science what Philip did. He responded to take the hike. He's moving along the road, I'm sure, wondering what in the world this is all about. And he sees this man and this probably was a caravan because if you're a rich, influential person from a foreign country, you don't go solo on a chariot. So he's probably, Philip is asking permission through the protective services detail to get up to this chariot rider and says, simple question, do you know what you're reading? 
wasn't rocket science. He just asked the question and the response is, how can I know unless someone helps me and tells me? And boom, there is Philip explaining that gospel of Jesus Christ from there. So realize that you are God's channel for His grace and for His love. You see, lost people matter so much. Jesus tells the story about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And when those lost objects or lost person were found, guess what? There was rejoicing in heaven. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, they threw a party upstairs. That's how precious your soul is and the level of celebration of the redemption of that soul. And what a privilege for us to be channels of God's grace and God's love. Here was a man who had all of the questions and all of the things that he was seeking. And here was a man named Philip who had all of the answers and all of the things that provide. And two vectors intersected in an amazing way. Think about the lottery ticket odds of all of this happening in this time and this place. During my second deployment to Iraq... I was in our camp, and all of a sudden, some soldiers came up to me, and the soldiers said, uh, some of our Iraqi workers, they have a movie about Jesus, and they're looking for a place to watch it. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is this all about? And they asked the soldier, can they watch the Jesus movie in your chapel facility? I didn't have to pray long over that request. Now, there's a general order, number one, that you're not supposed to proselytize, but I thought, they're asking, and you know, sometimes you assume risk to get court-martialed, and I said, come on in. And this man was so, and his folks were so appreciative, and, and uh, he says, oh, I, I like it, Jesus. He is one of Mohammed's prophets, and I'm thinking, you're getting warmer, but you're not quite to the point that you need to be. So I invite them in and I put in the movie and actually what it was was the uh, Campus Crusade for Christ Jesus movie, which essentially is the gospel of Luke acted and spoken out. Unfortunately, the movie was in English, but I had an Iraqi, uh, an Arabic Bible. And so I open it up to the passage and I give it to the man who's kind of the leader of those folks. And so during the month of Ramadan, I have an Iraqi Muslim leading a Bible study in my chapel tent through the Gospel of Luke. Imagine the odds of that happening. Your life on vector, not knowing what that day might bring, and voila, there are these kingdom opportunities that come before you. And you can probably assume by the rank on my shoulders that I was not court-martialed for that. Maybe, maybe now it'll come since I shared the story. We'll, we'll see. So you are that wonderful channel of God's grace and love. Also, never estimate what God can do through you. I think the devil is so effective at giving us these lies that we're essentially ineffective Christians, that we cannot be used. But if we are like Philip and our lives yield, what an amazing opportunity that gives us to do in service to Jesus Christ. So Philip has this explanation. The man says, I want to follow Jesus Christ. Here's water. What keeps me from being baptized? And how amazing that almost as soon as Philip does that, the Spirit says, move out again. Philip must have been the man of itinerant short-term evangelistic trips because he kept getting sent to places all over the place at different times.
But think about the strategic impact of what that encounter was. Here is the, the, the ministry of finance for a country. Imagine his influence and all of a sudden God is sending an indigenous missionary back to Ethiopia. Because isn't his wife going to ask, honey, how was the trip? Well, there's an opportunity to share the gospel. In the court of the queen, how was your journey to Jerusalem? Oh, your highness, I'm so glad you asked. And some church historians of the second century believe that he was the missionary that started the conversion of Christianity in Ethiopia. I mean, just imagine the odds of all of those things happening, but aren't you thankful for the obedience of Philip? You know, the fact that you are sitting where you are, it means that at some place in your life, there was an obedient man or woman, a Philip or a Filipina, who came at just the right time, when you had just the questions and they had just the answers, you had just the need and they had just the supply. And aren't you thankful for the obedience of that person to speak and to minister into your life? When we were assigned here back in the, the 90s, we had a chance to go to Cobra Gold uh, exercise in Thailand, a wonderful opportunity. And we trained with the Thai Royal Rangers during that time. And during that time, I befriended a Thai sergeant by the name of Asangba Longkumar. And Asangba had two interests. He wanted to learn English a little bit better, and he also wanted to learn about Christianity. And he bought me many bowls of fried rice, cow pot guy, I think it is, or something to that effect. And through our communication barrier, I did the best that I could to speak with him. Then during our rest and recreation period, we were at a hotel, and I love to open up the drawers of hotels to see what's in the, in the drawer. And I open up the drawer, and there is a Bible. And I take out the Bible, and I open it up, and it is a Thai-English Bible, side by side. And I thought for a minute, and I offered a prayer, Lord, is it okay if I steal this Bible? Now, the Lord didn't say no, and to fairness to the Lord, he didn't say yes either, but I, I was going to assume some risk here and steal a Bible from the hotel in Thailand because I thought, what a perfect gift for a Sangba. So when we got back to the camp a day or two before our deployment, I gave that to him, and he was so thankful. And I didn't think much about that. A year later, the chaplain who was on that training exercise met a Sangba Longkumar, and guess what happened in that year? He had committed his life to Jesus Christ. I mean, just think about that, a U.S. Army chaplain from Fort Lewis going for two weeks to Thailand to meet a sergeant who was interested in the Christian faith, being given a stolen Bible from a hotel in Thailand, and through reading of God's Word came to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I've been told it's Gideon's Bible, so you can steal them okay. If you're very conscientious and you're traumatized by that story, that the Gideons like for us to steal their Bibles and give them to other people. So, our response to God's vector, and this is very, very important, is obedience and faithfulness. In order to be like Philip was, you and I need to be obedient and we need to be faithful. How many of you love horseback riding? Anybody here? I see some hands. If, if that person asking the question was up here and I was out here, my hand would not go up. I don't like riding on something that has a vote. 
And I've been sucked into, I mean, we once had to do this chaplain retreat to this dude ranch in Colorado, and only out of love for those people did I go. And I asked him, I said, give me the oldest horse you got. Give me the one who's expectant to die tomorrow. So when I ride him, he doesn't have the will to fight my will. Think about this. Think about the fact if you were a horse and the Holy Spirit were the rider, what level of responsiveness is the Holy Spirit experiencing from the horse he is riding? When the Holy Spirit says, giddy up, do you giddy up? And the Holy Spirit says, whoa, do you whoa? When he turns you to the left and he turns you to the right, do you follow the Holy Spirit? Or are you a stubborn, unbroken, wild horse fighting him all the way as you go along? Do you know in the army there are really only two types of assignments? There are the thank you, Lord, assignments, and there are the help me, Lord, assignments. And a thank you, Lord, assignment means you get to go exactly where you want to go, when you want to go, to do exactly what you want to do. And you get that beautiful call, not from heaven, but the Pentagon, you go, thank you, Lord. And there are other times you get that call and you go, help me, Lord. When I was finishing up my assignment in Germany, I was so excited because two assignments were opening simultaneously that I felt like God had prepared me for most of my time in the chaplaincy. And I was visually actually hanging the pictures in one of those offices. And so I had my time to talk to the director of personnel, and I'm ready to hear the good news. And guess what? It was a help me, Lord, assignment. He says, you're going to be the chaplain for Army Central Command, which is the command that has responsibility for all of the Army forces in the Middle East. And you're going to be assigned in Shaw Air Force Base, Sumter, South Carolina, where if you look on TripAdvisor, the number three restaurant is Chick-fil-A. I don't like the Middle East, I don't speak Arabic, I hate the desert, and I was just fussing inside that the Lord would do this thing. I show up on a Friday, come back in on Monday to end process, and all the whoopee lights are going on in the building because ISIS had invaded Mosul, and we got two jobs as opposed to one during that time. And so I deployed forward to Kuwait for that. But while there, I realized and found out through some of my chaplain friends that there is this amazing church complex in Kuwait City called the National Evangelical Church of Kuwait. And it's this amazing place that in the course of a week, almost 10,000 people come to worship in these different congregations, all the third country nationals and the Arab Christians. And so they said, let's take you there just to see what's going on at that location And as we were walking the grounds, we walked into a large auditorium and they were laying mats on the floor and people started to come and said, come, come and come and join us. So we sit down and it ended up being the Indian Pentecostal church service in Kuwait City, Kuwait. And it just filled up mostly with women. You can imagine these third country national women workers in a Muslim country who were Christians. You can't get much lower. And as we're watching the service going on, it was a husband and wife pastor team, and the wife was translating for someone up front. And halfway through the service, the husband looks at me and says, would you like to come forward and to share from God's word? 
And you could watch the Adam's apple come down in my throat with that request. How, how do you say no? So I, I walk up and say, Lord, what, what, what should I say? And Philippians 4, 6, and 7 came to mind. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. And as I finished that, she said, that's been our verse all year long. And then she says, please stay forward. We would like you to invite people forward to receive Christ. And I'm giving an altar call in the Indian Pentecostal church service in Kuwait City. And 30 or 40 people come, most of them these precious women. And then the, the woman pastor says, would you lead them in the sinner's prayer? And I'm offering this prayer and she's translating to hear these voices. And, and I left that experience and in my mind was, Mark, you are such a knucklehead. Here you've been fussing about the assignment you felt like you deserved. But if you got that assignment, you would not have had this amazing kingdom opportunity. Brothers and sisters, sometimes God's will for your life, and I'm going to say it politely, is to be quiet and row. Move out on the vector that it would have, because God uses the yielded to accomplish His purposes. That when we cooperate, we have these amazing opportunities in times of our lives to be able to be a messenger and a servant of Christ. But it's also good to recheck the message as well, to know that azimuth is from God. And so what we should do is we should pray daily for intersecting vectors where God can use us as a Philip to bring us in an intersection point with an Ethiopian, just that person who has all the questions, all the needs, and we have all the answers at that place and time for a wonderful experience in an amazing way so that people might come to faith in Jesus Christ. When I was a boy of about nine years old, I got the coolest dog in the world. Dog was 100% purebred mutt. His name was Blackie, so you can guess what his color was. Very creative name for a dog. But Blackie had a spidey sense about a certain thing. When you put a leash on Blackie and it was time to go to the vet, he knew what was up. And I still remember the sound of Blackie's front legs and his back legs locked in place as we're dragging Blackie over the linoleum floor to the carpet and then into the car to go to the vet. Blackie wanted nothing of that trip. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to your obedience to God, how are you like Blackie? Does it feel like the Holy Spirit is dragging you with paws locked and bringing you to the place that you ought to go? Or are you like a good dog of the master when he says heal, you're following right in his footsteps. You see, the Lord wants to use us. And honestly, if I was a batter and the Holy Spirit was the pitcher, I can't tell you the number of pitches that I've missed. And I would hate to see what my batting average is. But the more that we cooperate, the more we have opportunities to participate in God's plan of redemption. That when your life is on vector with God, He uses you. 
Now, I've shared with you some mountaintop kind of sexy vectors. There's a lot of vectors in our lives that we don't even know the impact that we're having. And it may only be in heaven. But know this, if you are walking faithfully with Jesus, even if you don't have the heads-up display of all of the answers for you, that God is using your life to touch the lives of others. And it may be a seed that's planted that germinates and is harvested somewhere down the road. But be faithful. When the Lord says, move out, move out. When the Lord says, hold it, hold it. When he says, go left, go left. When he says, go right, go right. And aren't you glad for the obedient Philip that met you just at that place that led you to faith in Jesus Christ? So I'm going to put before you on the screen here a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to make this your prayer. If you don't want it your prayer, I'm not going to force you. I don't want to be uh, like pulling Blackie to the, to the veterinarian. But if you really want to offer this prayer, I'm going to say it once, and then I'm going to invite you to offer it to the Lord afterwards. Lord, enlarge my heart so that I receive your vectors with great joy and anticipation. And if you choose to, please pray it after me simultaneously. Lord, enlarge my heart so that I receive your vectors with great joy and anticipation. Let's pray. Our Father, I am just so amazed that you would choose to use us, discombobulated, redeemed sinners, just stumbling forward for the sake of your kingdom. Thank you for the privilege to participate. Forgive us, Father, when we are like Blackie. Forgive us when we are like that stubborn horse. Forgive us when we want to move Father and Son and Holy Spirit out of the cockpit of our lives and take over the controls. Would you make us yielded to your purpose and yielded to your plan? And then may we live each day praying for vectors with a wonderful sense of anticipation that you will use us to accomplish your purposes for your kingdom and for your glory. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.